Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We're living in an extraordinary time in history. COVID-19 has swept the world and it has changed our lives. But how have you responded spiritually? Here's First Pres Associate Pastor Tim Shaw with today's sermon, Where You Stay? Hi, I'm Tim Shaw, one of the pastors here at First Pres. I was born and raised in California and lived in the Golden State my entire life until I moved to Hawaii in 2013. As a native Californian, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do when the earth begins to shake and light fixtures start to sway and pictures start falling off the wall. When I was a little kid at San Rafael Elementary School in Pasadena, California, yep, that's me, pretty cute, huh? When I was a little cowboy growing up in Pasadena, we regularly practiced what to do when an earthquake hit. Here's the drill. Drop, cover, and hold on. Three simple but potentially life-saving steps. In school, it worked like this. Drop to the ground, get under your desk, and hold on until the shaking stops. Drop, cover, and hold on. The worst experience I ever had during an earthquake happened while I was in college, since the epicenter was very close to my rickety, ramshackle, two-story Santa Barbara apartment. The shaking during this moderate earthquake was intense. When the quake hit, it became nearly impossible for me to walk down the hall to get to a place in my apartment where I could initiate the drop, cover, and hold on drill. The walls of my apartment were moving back and forth so violently I wondered whether the building was going to collapse. When the shaking stopped, I was super adrenalized. My heart was just pumping like crazy. Immediately I got out of my apartment, not sure what structural damage might have occurred. I also experienced the Loma Prieta earthquake in 1989. That's the one that happened during the World Series and caused extensive damage in the San Francisco Bay Area, including the collapse of one section of the upper deck of the Bay Bridge. I was driving home from work and had just come to a stop at a stoplight below the Claremont Hotel in Berkeley when the quake hit. Suddenly my car started to rock from side to side and the telephone wires began to swing. The radio station I was listening to went silent. When I discovered that all of the radio stations were now off the air, I thought to myself, I don't know how big that quake was, but I think something really bad just happened. The Loma Prieta earthquake was much larger than the quake I experienced in my junk apartment in the Santa Barbara. But it didn't rattle me like that quake did in college. A couple of weekends ago, we were once again protected from a hurricane that was coming right at us. I believe that God turned Hurricane Douglas away from our islands. I'm intrigued by the track of the storm. Look at the path it took as it slid by our islands. Do you see that little jog to the right in the storm track just as Douglas approached Kuhuku? I'm obviously no meteorologist, so I'm probably way out of my lane, but it's interesting to me that Hurricane Douglas took that little jog to the north to get around our island. Could that be the hand of God? Ever since I moved to Hawaii seven years ago, I've been thinking about the difference between earthquakes and hurricanes. Even though I now have some experience with tropical cyclones, I still think I prefer that disasters come into my life unannounced. Maybe it's because I grew up in California and have extensive experience with 
the ground suddenly moving. Maybe that's why I think I still prefer earthquakes to hurricanes. My real preference is that zero disasters would show up in my life. That would be my first choice. But here's why I think I prefer earthquakes to hurricanes. When an earthquake comes, you don't have to spend an entire week tracking the arrival of a potential disaster. So if you had a choice, which would you prefer, a hurricane or an earthquake? Many people I've spoken with here in Hawaii would rather face a hurricane than an earthquake because they feel like they have more control with an oncoming cyclone. They can see the storm approaching and can take the necessary action to secure themselves, their loved ones, and their belongings. I, on the other hand, find it exhausting to watch a hurricane spin up off the coast of Mexico and head for the Central Pacific. The truth is, when it comes to our lives, we're not really given the option. Because sometimes difficulties and challenges enter our lives with plenty of warning, and sometimes they show up unannounced. When faced with the possibility of a natural disaster like an earthquake or a hurricane, how we prepare during the times when the storm is not bearing down on us and the earth is not shaking is really important. We are regularly encouraged to get ready, to take the time to put that emergency kit together with a 14-day food supply. But let's be honest, it's really easy to just go on our way thinking we're never going to need to face that, a big storm hitting Oahu. And sometimes we have a similar strategy when it comes to preparing for other challenges that are guaranteed to show up in our lives. One of the things that makes this moment in history so challenging is that we are all living through a slow-moving storm called COVID-19. With this pandemic, we have the equivalent of a storm parked on top of us. So in the midst of this storm, we need to create the spaces where we can recharge and prepare for the challenges ahead. There is no calm before the storm right now or quiet before the shaking starts. The storm is here, so we have to find a way to set aside the time and space to prepare for future challenges while the wind is blowing and the rain is falling. Pastor Dan and Pastor Steve talked with us about the importance of being in a supportive community. They encouraged us to become a part of a small group if we're not in one already. I am in a fantastic men's small group here in Hawaii and every month, I also meet online with three good friends who are on the mainland. The four of us have known each other since college. Those relationships, those times together are absolutely essential in my life. Together we face the challenges of life together and point one another to God. We were created by God to face big challenges with others. We are created to go through the good times and the hard times as a part of a community. And when the storms hit, when the earth begins to shake, I think the advice that I was given in second grade is still the best. We need to drop to our knees in prayer, seek the covering and the protection of something stronger than ourselves, and hold on. Hold on to others and hold on to our faithful God as the storms of life pass. Psalm 97 verses 1 to 2 reminds us that whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That passage of scripture is an invitation for all of us to continue or maybe intensify our spiritual preparations. 
as we continue to navigate through a global pandemic, and as we await the future challenges that will certainly come, let's take the time to go deeper in our relationship with God and with others. The really good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has lived that drill I learned in second grade in his own very unique way. He dropped to his knees to wash our dirty feet. He shielded us from the wages of our sin. He held on to us and he is holding on to us even now. And he does all of that because of his great love for us. He has served our deepest needs and he continues to serve us to this day. It was his idea for us to know his love. He is the one who initiated and sustains our relationship with him. I don't know about you, but I think that many of us tend to believe that our relationship with God is something we primarily have to take care of on our own. It's true that we have some things we need to do to cultivate and grow our relationship with God, and I'm going to suggest one way that we can create more space for God. I'm going to do that in just a moment. But we would be wrong if we see ourselves as solely responsible for keeping our relationship with God going. To think that way would mean that we'd lost sight of the fact that God is the one who loved us first. He is the one who pursued us and reaches out to us still. Having a relationship with the God of the universe was not our idea. It was God's. And we are invited by God himself into the very community that already exists in our triune God. I think we should take him up on that offer. The life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has made a way for us to join the relationship of love that already exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the most incredible truth that human beings can know. This is the holiest of grounds. The thought that God the Father wants to show us the love he has for his Son, Jesus, and to pour that love into our lives is a truth that should blow our hearts wide open. The Apostle John said in his first letter, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God made the first move. God always makes the first move. He loves us before we love him. I want to illustrate that today by looking at a very familiar story from the Gospel according to Luke. If you grew up in the church, the story of Zacchaeus is a story you've probably heard first when you were a little kid. Kids can identify with Zac because he was short and could get easily lost in a crowd of adults. When I was learning to drop, cover, and hold on, I was also learning about a little man named Zacchaeus who was curious about Jesus. Zach's curiosity opened up the possibility of an encounter with God, and the presence of Jesus in Zach's life changed him. The presence of Jesus in Zach's life transformed his life. So what about you and me? How curious are we today? Are we wondering whether it might really be possible to know the one who created us and everything around us? I know I remain very curious to know this God even more than I already do. The Bible is the primary way to get to know God. I am so grateful for the gift of this book. But there are some challenges. 
When the Bible is translated into English, sometimes we lose some very important details about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's because English has a couple of weaknesses. One of those weaknesses is the fact that for all intents and purposes, in the English language, we lost the second person plural. Unless you live in the South of the United States, all we've got left is you to refer to one or more people. I've only heard all y'all in places like Texas. But most of the time, when you read the word you in the New Testament, it doesn't mean just you. It means all y'all. Reading the Bible in a highly individualistic culture like American culture, it would rarely occur to many of us that when we see the word you in the Bible, it doesn't mean me. It means me and you. It means all y'all. And one of the most important things that God is trying to help us understand is that we were made to be in relationship with others. And in that community, we will encounter the living God in some pretty remarkable ways. So the loss of the second person plural in the English language is a challenge for our discipleship. Another weakness is the fact that basically we have one word to describe two different kinds of knowing in English. French, Spanish, German, Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament. All those languages have at least two words for knowing. One of those words refers to knowing some facts about something or someone. The other word means to know about something or someone because you've had personal experience with them. I could tell you some super interesting facts about my friends Craig and Donna Barton. I can tell you about their careers, the fact that they have a son, Andrew, who just graduated from high school. I could describe where they live, what they like to do in their free time. You would know some facts about the Bartons, but it would be so much better if you had the chance to meet the Bartons, spend some time with them, get to know them personally, because they are incredible people. One of our church's core values is the presence of God in our lives. And when we talk about knowing the presence of God's Spirit in our lives, we're not just talking about knowing a bunch of information about God, as important as that kind of knowing can be. We're talking about knowing God because we've had a personal encounter with God. And that kind of knowing transforms our lives. That's what happens to Zacchaeus in this story. He gets to know Jesus personally. He goes from knowing some facts about Jesus to knowing him personally. And that kind of knowing changes him. So let's read Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zac came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. In this super familiar story, 
Zach wants to get a look at Jesus. Zach is not a good guy. He was hated by the people in his community because he was a sellout to the Romans. The Romans were the occupying power in Israel at the time. They were like the empire in Star Wars. But here's how Zach got rich. He would overcharge his fellow Jews on their taxes so he could make a really nice living for himself. So one day Jesus showed up in his town and everyone wanted to get a look at this miracle worker. Jesus' reputation was spreading all across the country. So Zach and his neighbors rushed down to see Jesus and people started throwing elbows. It seems that no one will let Zach get through the crowd. So Zacchaeus climbed a tree. I think he climbed that tree because he hoped to get a look at Jesus without others seeing him. But that strategy failed because Jesus saw him up in that sycamore fig tree. And when Jesus spots him, Jesus invites himself into Zach's life. And all Zach needed to do in that moment was to say, yes. Jesus made the first move. All Zach needed to do is to take Jesus up on his offer and let him into his life. As a Howley transplant from California, I'm going to venture into some dangerous, potentially embarrassing territory. Let me ask for your forgiveness right up front. The only reason I'm going to give this a shot is in recognition of the fact that the new Hawaiian Pigeon Bible is being released this summer. The Hawaiian Pigeon Bible was translated by Joe Grimes, who is one of First Pres's mission partners. Joe and his team worked for at least 20 or 30 years on this complete translation of the Old and New Testaments. In this version, the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible, in this version of the Bible, this is how Luke 15:9 reads. When Jesus go by there, he look up and tell Zacchaeus, go come down Zacchaeus, I gotta stay your house today. Basically Jesus says to Zac, where you stay? So Jesus comes over to Zach's house and something amazing happens. Uh, don't miss this. Jesus chose to be with Zach. Zach choosing to follow Jesus was a response to Jesus choosing him. There's a huge difference between choosing and being chosen. I think many of us who are followers of Jesus got off on the wrong foot just a little bit when we first committed our lives to Christ. As important as that decision to follow Christ was, I suspect that for many of us, something very important was missed. We didn't really understand. We didn't really appreciate. We didn't really get the fact that God had chosen us first. And our decision to say yes to Jesus is only our response to his yes to us. David Watson was a British evangelist who had a significant impact on the leaders of churches in England that we know and love. God used David Watson to bring renewal to Anglican churches in the UK. He was also a visiting professor at Fuller Theological Seminary when I was a student there. Listen to what he writes in his book, Called and Committed. Our view of ourselves as disciples who have been personally chosen by Jesus should alter our whole attitude towards him and motivate us strongly for the work which he has given us to do. If an athlete is chosen to represent his or her country for the Olympics, their attitude to this event will be different from someone who has decided on their own to go as a spectator to the Olympics. With the competitor, there will be a total dedication to the task, largely because of the honor of being chosen. He or she will have a sense of responsibility to their team and country. 
which even the most enthusiastic tourist will clearly not have. The fact that Jesus chose Zacchaeus has a dramatic impact on Zach's life. First of all, the people of Jericho who hated Zacchaeus were completely confused by what Jesus did. Why in the world would this rabbi want to go over to the house of a jerk like Zacchaeus? Didn't Jesus have a long list of really good, upstanding citizens to choose from? How could he pick Zach? He was a bad person who had cheated people out of their hard-earned money so he could live a lavish lifestyle. Well, I don't know about you, but I think it's a really good thing that we have a God who wants to invite himself over for dinner at the home of a jerk. Because none of us would have any hope if that wasn't who our God is. Now watch what happens. As Zach spends time in Jesus' presence, his life is changed. He probably didn't realize it at first, but Zach was at a liminal place in his life that day. Ruth Haley Barton writes that liminal space is a particular spiritual position where human beings hate to be, but where the biblical God is always leading them. The Latin root limen literally means threshold, referring to that needed transition when we are moving from one place or one state of being to another. Liminal space usually induces some sort of inner crisis. You have left the tried and true, or it has left you, and you have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. That's what liminal space looks like and feels like. All of us are living through a season of liminal space. The world we knew and loved has left us, and we do not yet know what will replace it. What will life be like on the other side of COVID-19? How long are we going to be in social distancing, sheltering in place, wearing masks, not hugging our friends and family, not attending football and basketball games? We don't know. We are in a liminal space. Could this be a time when Jesus wants to invite you and me into a deeper, more intimate relationship with himself? Could it be that Jesus wants to fill us up with himself so that we might have what we need to face the challenges ahead. I think it is. Maybe within this liminal space created by COVID-19, there are other liminal spaces in your life. As the Lord brought you to the threshold of a decision, an opportunity to make a change for the better in your life, are you standing right on the edge of a new direction in your career? Or have you been furloughed or lost your job and you don't know what you're going to do? Has there been a diagnosis that is filling you with fear and anxiety? Is there a situation or a series of challenges that have left you overwhelmed? In his liminal space, Zach stood on the threshold of dramatic spiritual transformation. Ruth Haley Barton describes this dramatic reformation of our lives in this way. Spiritual transformation is the process by which Christ is formed in us. For the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. Let me read that to you again. Spiritual transformation is the process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. Zach's life was radically changed that day, and that transformation had a tremendous impact on his life and the lives of the people in Jericho. 
That change was made possible because he acted on his curiosity and was open to what Jesus wanted to do in his life. What set up the possibility for real life change was the simple fact that Zacchaeus welcomed the presence of Christ into his life. When we welcome the presence of Jesus into our lives, his presence will begin to transform us as well. I certainly know what it is like to be changed by God's presence in my life. He has changed me dramatically, and there is still so much more he needs to do in my life to form his son, Jesus, in me. God wants to be present in our lives. It was his idea in the first place. He is the one who wanted a relationship with us. If we're curious about a deeper relationship with God, we should act on our curiosity and be open to the kind of transformation that Jesus wants to bring to us and the world around us. To really experience the impact of what I'm suggesting in this message, you and I are going to have to do something after this worship service is over. This talk is kind of like the pregame pep talk a coach gives her team before they take the field. It's not time to take the field just yet, but we're about to take the field. The locker room talk is not the point. What happens on the field is. I want to tell you about a spiritual practice that can help create the kind of space for God that I've been talking about. Space where God can show up and we can get to know him better. You could do this spiritual practice on your own, but it will have an even more significant impact on your life if you explore this spiritual practice with someone else or in a small group. You could practice this in just a few minutes in a digital connect group right after this worship service. Just click on the button that will appear at the end of the service, and you can join an online small group on Zoom. Following Jesus is a team sport. The spiritual practice that I'm going to talk with you about is a way to make space for the presence of God. There's also going to be a link in the chat area that will enable you to download an explanation of that ancient spiritual practice called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina means divine or sacred reading. I've taken an excerpt from the book by Ruth Haley Barton that I've been quoting from today and created a guide for you. My men's small group recently finished reading her book and one of the spiritual practices we explored together was Lectio Divina. We had some amazing conversations as we practiced this way of reading scripture together and hearing God's voice. The guides you can download will help you carve out more space in your life where you can be more attentive to the presence of the God who wants to be present in your life. This spiritual practice is one way to help you listen for God's voice. Listen for God's voice speaking to you through his written word, the Bible. What might he want to say to you? What do you want to talk with God about? God first loved us. God is reaching out to you and to me. He's inviting us into a deeper experience of his spirit, into a deeper experience of his presence in our lives. He wants to fill us up that we might carry his presence to others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you so incredibly grateful for your love for us. Lord, how can we say thanks for the fact that you want to be in a relationship with each one of us and that you made a way 
through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus, for us to know you personally, intimately. Lord, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Come, Holy Spirit. I also want to pray for anyone who might want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time today. If that's you, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer that says three things to God. Sorry, thank you, and please. So if you want to commit your life to Jesus right now, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I'm sorry for the ways that I have lived for myself. I'm sorry for the things that I've done to hurt others. Please forgive all of my sins. Thank you for forgiving me completely and giving me the gift of your Holy Spirit. Please fill me up with yourself. I want to know your presence in my life today and every day. Thank you for the gift of everlasting life. I give you my life, and I now want to live to bring glory to the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. And we want to thank you for joining us today for worship. Don't forget that you can join a Digital Connect group live on Zoom right after the service. Just click on that button. And now receive this blessing. Now to him who can keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and honor both now and forevermore. And God's people said, amen. We'll see you next week. Aloha. God himself is inviting you into his world, a world that creates a loving community and a godly love that transcends the problems of this life and creates a positive change in your own life. Accept his invitation today. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, normally we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and details on our reopening. If you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.